Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. My co-host Joe is away from work today, so I am conducting an interview here with Professor Antonio Padella, author of the new book, Fantastic Numbers and Where to Find Them, a fascinating read about big numbers, fantastic numbers, black holes, and more. This is a really fun chat. I think you're all going to enjoy it. So go ahead and jump right in with me right now. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the show. Hi, Hi, Rob. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, uh, really excited to talk about uh, the new book, Fantastic Numbers and Where to Find Them. A wonderful read, and it's a book that gets into some pretty wonderful, mind-rending, cosmological territory, as we'll no doubt discuss here. But first, I wanted to, to start with just a really basic sort of grounding question, I guess. Uh, we encounter numbers every day, and you discuss some numbers that most of us don't encounter really every day. If we could back up a whole lot, I guess, and just ponder the basics here, what exactly is a number? Well, I, I mean, this is this is an idea I sort of you know delve into in, in my book because, of course, when you, you go really back in into history, back to sort of the ancient Sumerians or something like that, you know, obviously they really began to use numbers to talk about. Well, I've got five jars of oil, I've got five loaves of bread. 
but then it sort of begs the question, is that five the same five? Is the five mm-hmm. that describes the jars of oil the same five that describes uh, the loaves of bread? And then you really sort of, when you sort of make that, you disconnect the two and you start to build the idea of like what I call an emancipated number, a number that's independent of the thing that it's describing, then you, you're really sort of making quite quite an intellectual leap. So that for me is what, is, is what a number is. It's kind of emancipated from, from the thing that it's describing. Um, whether such a thing really exists in a philosophical sense is, 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 a, is a, a whole new debate that you can have. But uh, yeah, that for me is, is, is the key mathematical leap that, that I think was made, you know, a, a long time ago. And, um, and yeah, it's really important. Now, getting back into that sort of philosophical territory, this is one that, that I know that you, uh, you tackle a lot. Uh, it's a pretty standard sort of philosophical math question, but is mathematics more of a human discovery or more of a human invention? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's a straightforward answer, answer to this. Of course, this this sort of, you know, boils down to, to like I sort of alluded to, whether numbers exist, whether whether maths exist. And it's kind of, I mean, I'm not a philosopher, but, but but I know that philosophers talk about this in sort of this kind of three different angles that you can take on it. So So on the one hand, you've got the Platonists who will say that numbers and mathematics is true and it exists, but it exists outside of of space-time as, as like an abstract concept. It, it's not something that can affect the things in space-time. It, it can't affect the material objects that, that we have around us. You also have the nominalists who, who said basically that numbers and maths only exist to sort of understand stuff. So, it, so in some sense, we talked about the five, you know, five jars of oil, the five, five loaves of bread. That's the only reason that the number five exists to describe the jars of oil, to describe the loaves of bread. And then, of course, you've got the third sort of, you know, school, which is perhaps in some sense the most extreme, which just says that numbers don't exist at all. They're, they're just a useful <laughs> tool that, that, that we use to, to describe uh, the, the universe around us. And I guess the, the analogy people use here is it's like saying, well, you could be an atheist, but you could still believe with some of the sort of moral messages that you, you read in the Bible or the Quran. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, you, you, you can't be inspired by them, but you just don't have to believe in every element of it. Um, I guess as a physicist, for me, it's kind of hard to sort of go with that fictionist idea and yet see a universe that is so amazingly described by mathematics. Now, is that something that's embedded in the universe or not? I guess it's really difficult to know. We've certainly not seen any evidence that it isn't yet. Now, your book deals with, uh, as the title indicates, fantastic numbers. Uh, what what defines for you a fantastic number, and are there categories of categorizations of numbers uh, other than that that we need to uh, have in our heads before we can get to the idea of what is truly fantastic? Yeah, so so, so for me, uh, my own relationship w- with numbers kind of um, it, it comes from. On the one hand, you have a number, whatever that number might be. And for me, I always want to bring that that sort of personality alive, the sort of real spirit of the number sort of to the fore. And so it's always been physics for me that, that does that. So when, you know, you can have these wonderful mathematical concepts, ideas like Graham's number, tree three, these truly bizarre and wonderful numbers that have a wonderful place in mathematics. But then you really bring them to life when you try to sort of squeeze them into our physical world. So that for me is what, what makes a number fantastic. It's almost like, 
What makes a number fantastic is the fantastic physics that it can lead you towards and, and lead you to imagine, um, and whatever that might be. You also talk about, uh, I believe you, specifically you're talking about Graham's number uh, pretty early on in the book, and you point out that if you, if you try and actually picture it in your head, your head collapses into a black hole. And this, this made me wonder, like, what, what are the largest numbers, uh, roughly speaking, that an average person can fit into their head by one definition or another? Like, at what point does it just become this this other enterprise entirely yeah so, so so it's a good question so so i mean it kind of depends on how how you sort of define the question in, in some sense if you're just thinking about neurons how many neurons have you have you got in your in your brain there's about 100 billion neurons and so you might say that you can use them if you manage to clear your mind of every other thought <laughs> to imagine a 100 billion digit number Okay, um, that might not be particularly practical. It might be quite challenging for most of us, but but in principle, you might say that 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 would be the limit. Um, of course, if you then go beyond that and start to say, well, what if I could somehow get my head to find a way to actually store information, store concepts more efficiently than just the usual idea of neurons firing on and off? Let's suppose that it could do that somehow. Um, then then the numbers get get much bigger. Uh, and you start to, the, the things that limit it are, are literally preventing your head collapsing to form a black hole. Because black holes, mm -hmm. what they do is that they're the, they're the best thing at storing information. So if you want to get something the size of a head, of a human head, and you want to say, what's the best thing the size of a human head that can store information? It's a black hole the size of a human head. That, that's the, nothing can do it better. And so, so, so th that places a new limit. And you can ask, well, again, what, what is that limit would be? Well, it's certainly way below Graham's number. You're not going to get anywhere near the, the magnificence of Graham's number. Um, you could probably get a digit that's, that's about 10 to the 70, a number that's about 10 to the 70 digits long. Uh, so less than a Google digits long. Having said that, you could imagine a number like a Googleplex. A Googleplex has a Google Digits. Now, I've just said that you can't imagine a Google Digits. It's not possible. But a Googleplex, you could, because what you know about a Googleplex is that it's a one followed by a Google zero. So you know that all the numbers that come later on are zeros. And so there's not much information in that. So it doesn't cost as much, as many bits. You don't have to put as many bits in your head to imagine that. So what we're really talking about now are really a random assortment of digits, a completely random assortment of digits, the kind that would appear in Graham's number. And I don't think you can get past around 10 to the 70, which is a one with, with 70 zeros. You couldn't get past that many digits completely randomly sort of allocated. At that point, your head's gonna collapse into a black hole. Now, now backing up to the the Google and the Googleplex, can can you can you walk us briefly through the difference between uh, a Google, a Googleplex, and 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 maybe uh, realms beyond that? This is this is about the only area of fantastic numbers that I'd I'd really heard anything about uh, prior to uh, to reading your book. Yeah, so so, so a Google is is a. Um it's a number which is which is a one followed by a hundred zeros. So I think everybody would agree that sounds like quite a big number. Um, it goes back to to a, a physicist called uh, Edward Kasner, who was at Columbia, and he was writing a popular science book, and the, he was trying to sort of you know convey. He really wanted to show how big infinity was, and so he wanted to come up with numbers that we all think are really big, like a one followed by a hundred zeros. And he said, well, okay, um, that's really small compared to infinity, right? Even though something really big is actually really small compared to infinity. So 
he came up with this one with 100 zeros. He wanted a name for this number. So at the time, he asked his nephew, who was nine years old at the time, who was called Milton <laughs> Sarotta. He said, can you come up with a name for this? And, he, and Milton said, well, a Google, which is an absolute stroke of genius, right? It's <laughs> such a great name. Um, and, and then, so, so they wanted to then develop things further. So then they wanted an even bigger number, again, building on this idea that it's nothing co- compared to infinity. And, and and so so he said, well, okay, I'm going to come up with the idea of a Googleplex. It's going to be an even bigger number. Well, how big? So Kasna then goes to, to to Milton. He says, well, how big should it be? And Milton's like, well, it should be a one, not followed by a hundred zeros, but zeros until you get tired. <laughs> but Kasner's like, you know, a sort of a, you know, an esteemed academic at Columbia and all that. That's just not precise enough for him. <laughs> so so. He went with a, which a much more sort of well-defined idea, which is a Googleplex should be a one followed by a Google zeros. So a Google's already massive. That's a one followed by a hundred zeros. A Googleplex is a one followed by a Google zero. So it's a whole new level of big compared to, to what we're normally used to. And then it just, it keeps building on that, right? There's, there's even like what a Googleplexian, is that the next level? So, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is a really nice, nice idea. You can really now start to, to, to really build very big numbers very, very quickly using this, this mathematical technique, uh, called recursion. So for example, you can develop the idea of a Google duplex. Well, what's a Google duplex? Well, it's a one followed by a Googleplex zeros. Mm. And then you could go to a Google triplex. Well, you can probably guess what it's going to be. It's going to be a one followed by a Google duplex zeros. And then a Google quadruplex is a one followed by a Google triplex zeros. And you can see each time you're growing the number just by so much, by such an unimaginably large amounts. And that's what you're not just adding a zero every time. You're kind of really ballooning the number of zeros on the end of this number. By, in gargantuan proportions, and that's what, um, and it's this power of mathematical recursion that, that, that allows you to do that. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting. Uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription-strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use this directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. 
no estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, you also talk about fantastic numbers that are, um, I, I guess you would say, smaller. Uh, the, the, the main example that comes to mind, and you, you refer to this several times in the book, is a number associated with uh, Olympic sprinter Usain Bolt. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about this number? Yeah, yeah. So, so um, well, actually, this is one of my big numbers, actually, oh, <laughs> this, yes. even though it doesn't seem that big. <laughs> uh, it's, it's actually, it, it's, it's one of my big numbers. So I can read out the number, what it is. Okay. One point, I think it's 15 zeros, 858. So it's just a number just slightly uh, north of one. Um, so it's, it doesn't seem like a big number, but but in my book, I say it is a big number. The reason is it's, um, it measures the amount by which Usain Bolt managed to slow down time uh, when he was, he was running uh, in the World Championships in, in, in I think, Berlin, um, and he set this, the, the world record. And this is due to the effects of, of, of relativity, um, so that when, when somebody actually moves quickly, 
they actually slow time actually slows down for them and that's this is the amount by which um usain bolt was actually able to slow down time due to the effects of, of, of einstein's theory um and, and it, it's compared to the people in the stadium for example um this is this was the, the difference that, that he experienced um so it, it, one of the one of the weird consequences of it is that um you can actually it's not that Usain Bolt actually, even though he slowed down time, it's not that he that he actually ran the race any quicker. He still runs the race at roughly ten meters per second. It's actually an even more uh, strange consequence. He actually the track also shrinks for him a little bit. So so he actually runs it in less time, but in the same speed. Therefore, the track shrinks uh, because relative to him the track's moving, and this is another effect of relativity. One of the remarkable things, and. Um, and yes, you could perhaps argue that he didn't actually uh, finish the race because the track shrank, so he didn't run quite a hundred meters. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, I was really blown away with this because you you know you often hear the the standard analogies concerning airplanes and pyramids and so forth when it comes to like time dilation and, and so forth. But uh, but I hadn't I hadn't heard uh, this particular example before. This is great. Yeah, I mean it's true true of like taxi drivers. If you imagine a taxi driver that's driving around. I don't know, any city, New York, wherever, you know, sort of for 40, 50 years of their life, because of that extra extra speed that they're picking up, that's going to accumulate over time. And actually, they can probably leap forward in time by probably, I think, about a microsecond over the course of their career. It's not a lot, but it's still pretty amazing when you think about it. <laughs> So they've got the, the knowledge, and then they have that as well, right? The, oh yeah, of course, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Not just the knowledge, yeah. They they, they actually get it. They actually uh, get a little bit younger. So uh, your book makes makes use of written numbers, um, and and uh, and of course you have this wonderful YouTube series, Number File, and in that you benefit not only from some fantastic descriptions and pop culture tie-ins uh, as you do in the book, but you also have a lot of helpful illustrations. Uh, so I was I was curious, uh, to, to, since you are a, a regular communicator of of this this topic, um, is it is it is it is it more challenging, or in some cases almost too challenging, to describe some of these numbers without the visual aids or the actual numerals to like visually present somebody with? Yeah, I, I think you. So, so this is where the physics comes in in, in some respects, mm -hmm. right? So, so on the one hand, if you really want to describe the number, like I say, a number like Graham's number. You, you do need those visual aids because it's not a number that you're going to sort of stumble across in any kind of normal environment, right? It's not a number mm -hmm. you're going to see on, 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 on a price tag, at least you'd hope not. And, uh, you know, so, so, so these are, you need new notation, new sort of symbolism to, to sort of actually even describe the number. So you've got to introduce that. There's just no getting away from it. But I guess what you can do is describe the physics associated with it. And, and, and that you can certainly do uh, you know, just 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 with words, and you know, in the case of of a number like Graham's number, you can talk about how you just can't picture it in your head because your head will will collapse to form a black hole, and that's already mm -hmm. going to make people think, "Wow, that number! There's something big, something big and crazy about that number." Or a Googleplex, you know, and you can talk about a universe that's that's a Googleplex meters across, and then you can ask, "Well, if the universe is that big, if the universe is is literally that large." then it's likely that you would find multiple copies of yourself, like literally exact doppelgangers elsewhere mm. in this ginormous universe. Yeah, I wasn't, I, was, I wasn't prepared for doppelgangers to enter into the uh, scenario. So that was, that was another great uh, part about the book for me. Um, and, and another thing that, that comes up in the book that I was very uh, intrigued by, uh, I was wondering if you might uh, talk about, is the, the idea of the, of the holographic truth. Yeah, so the holographic truth is... I mean, it's an idea, it's probably the most important idea, I would say, that's emerged from theoretical physics in, in the last 
30 years. And it's it's actually mind-blowing when you really think about w- what it pertains to. It, 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 it's, it's this following statement that essentially one of the dimensions of space that, that we experience around us, so we normally talk about, say, three dimensions of space. Well, one of them could well be an illusion. It might not exist. And it, it, it's really remarkable. So, so what we're saying is that there are two ways in which you can describe the physics that we see around us. On the one hand, we can imagine a three-dimensional world with a gravitational force and the force of gravity doing its thing with planets around the sun and so on and so forth. On the other hand, there's a completely equivalent description of the same phenomena, which just uses two dimensions and no gravity. So think of it a bit like, you know, on the one hand, somebody's, you know, in English, we say, if we see a plate of meatballs, we call them meatballs, but a Spaniard might call them albondigas. They're both describing the same things. They're just using a different language. And that's kind of what what the holographic truth says. It says that you can have a theory, like a three-dimensional world with gravity, and you can use that to describe all the physical phenomena you see, or you use this different language, which has no gravity and only requires two dimensions of space. So is it true of our world? We don't know. It's a conjecture. It's a conjecture that has sort of evidence coming from, from the physics of black holes. There are actually concrete examples that we know of, of sort of toy universes. So not our universe, but but, but space times that maybe they're, they're, they're higher dimensional, they may be warped in weird and wonderful ways. And you can think about gravity in these in these simple toy universes. And you can show that there's an equivalent description in one dimension less, like a holographic description. And it's called a hologram because that's essentially what, what, what holograms do, right? If you think of a hologram, what, what have you got? You've got an image on a, that's stored on a holographic plate. You know, it's just some light and dark bands on a holographic plate, a two-dimensional plate. It stores a bunch of information that way. But that's just one way of looking at the information. You can decode it in a different way by shining uh, monochromatic light through it and creating a 3D image. You're not creating any new information. It's the same information just stored either in two dimensions or three. And it seems to be that that seems to be a fundamental property uh, of of gravitational worlds that you can think of them as, as, like I said, a 3D world with gravity, or you just forget about gravity and consider a world with one dimension less, and you can describe exactly the same physical phenomena. Wow. Now here's another question that that uh, that came came up uh, reading the book that uh, that uh, uh, I don't know if if uh, of all of our listeners necessarily would have thought of this question but I think some of them would have and that comes to infinity. Um infinity like sometimes it's easy to think of like okay infinity is the it's it's it, if we think of it as a number we think of it, it's the eight on its side representing infinity is infinity a number and if it's not a number like what do we think of it as how do we classify infinity? So I love this question because the answer is that it's both not a number and lots of numbers. <laughs> this, this is the wonderful thing about infinity. So it depends how you want to think about infinity. Um, I think most of us, when we intuitively think about infinity, we kind of think of like, I don't know, the infinite distance, you know, or mm. infinite time. And, and what we're really thinking there is we're thinking of it as like a limit, as something that's just, just beyond our finite realm that, that, that's, you know, if you keep on counting uh, forever, you know, it, it, it's kind of the, at the end of that or sort of almost beyond the end of that. Now, that's in some sense thinking of infinity as, as not a number, as, as a limit of, 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 say, you know, the whole numbers. But 
what Cantor, George Cantor, the you know the great German mathematician from sort of the late Victorian times, what 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 he did was actually taught us how to count beyond infinity. So literally using really smart ideas associated with something called set theory, he was able to show that actually you can have all the sort of finite numbers and beyond that you can have infinity. But there's, that's just one layer of infinity. You can have the infinity, which is all the whole numbers, but you can also have a different layer of infinity, which is all the numbers between zero and one. So think of the continuum of the numbers between zero and one. That's You think there's an infinite number of numbers between zero and one, but that's actually a different infinity to all the whole numbers. So you've got you know, these discrete infinities, continuum infinities, and they, they, they have different sizes and they have, you have many layers of, of, of what can be an infinite number. And this is what um, Cantor really, really began to explore and, and, and develop. And he, he met a lot of resistance when he was doing it. He actually, people thought he was crazy. He, he sort of fell into a lot of depression. Um, you know, he was in battles with, with someone called Kronecker, who was kind of, you know, the big guy in Berlin at the time, you know, the, the, the elite university in Germany. He thought that Cantor was just delving into sort of witchcraft and he was a shot. He called him a charlatan, a corrupter of youth. And this really bothered Cantor. And actually, it's quite a sad story. I mean, Cantor actually sort of really fell into, into quite uh, bad depression, whether it was because of this or whether he was, he was predisposed anyway. It, it, it's not clear, but he actually ended his days sort of very sort of emaciated in a, in a sanatorium. Uh, essentially starving because of the effects of, of the First World War at the time and, and, and not having enough food. So it's quite a tragic tale in the end, but he was certainly a, a tremendous mathematician. And now all his ideas are really, you know, I, I, I think people acknowledge him for the genius that he was. Yeah, it, uh, it of course brings to mind those, um, uh, like the infinity hotel uh, scenarios that are used to describe infinity. I've always found those to be uh, uh, super interesting and, 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 and mind-blowing. Yeah, I mean that's so that that's what I mean. So, so as I said, Cantor sort of had these these different layers. So, so you can sort of imagine the first infinity, which he called Aleph zero, which is he defined as the set of all num of all the whole numbers, essentially all the natural numbers. You know, one, two, three, four, all mm -hmm. the way up to well infinity, all of them basically. So that that's what he called the the sort of first infinity. But then you can have these higher infinities, which are the you know things like the the. Um, the set of the, the continuum, essentially the continuum between zero and one. So not just all the all the uh, fractions and, and rational numbers, but also the irrational numbers, numbers like one over the square root of two, that kind of thing. Um, and, and and this is a new layer. He actually proved that they're actually that's a bigger infinity. And uh, it's not immediately obvious, but but he did show it, and it's it, it's remarkable. And, and and there's so many sort of things about infinity. There's so many paradoxes associated with them. For example, it, one one thing you can say is, is you think about the number of um, is are, are there more square numbers or or whole numbers? And you think well, you think naively. Obviously, there are more uh, whole numbers than square numbers because one is a square, but but two isn't a square, and three isn't a square. Okay, four is. So it seems that there's obviously more whole numbers than square numbers, mm -hmm. but actually it's not true. And the reason you know that's not true is because you just take a square number and you can map it to its square root and you get the whole numbers. So so the number of whole numbers is actually exactly the same as the number of square numbers. It's completely crazy. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, these, these parrot, and it's the same. There are the same number of even numbers as there are even and odd numbers. And there's all these one, there's the same number of numbers between zero and one as there are between zero and two. 
there's all these paradoxes that emerge the minute you start to think about infinity. And that's why most mathematicians for a long time just stayed away from it. But <laughs> Cantor was brave enough to climb into this infinite heaven and, and explore it. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. If you haven't heard of Visible, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. Having a one-line plan means you only need you to save. No estranged roommates, exes, cousins twice removed, or AI-powered humanoid robots needed. And because $25 a month really means $25 a month, you can call, text, stream, whatever, as much as you want without worrying about getting dinged at the end of the month. No hidden fees, no surprises. No, really. It's like the old saying goes, you can't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. So spread the word. Tell all your friends there's a wireless company out there with transparency in their name, and they're called Visible. Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. 
now one of the the numbers that that uh, comes up a lot in your in your book and, and I know you've done videos on this as well um, I'm also afraid to ask about it because it just seems kind of it, it, it I, I get confused anytime I, I read anything about it and that's this idea of I'm not even sure if I'm saying it correctly is it do we say tree three yep that's right yeah 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 tree three so yeah what is this what is tree three? So, so there's a, a particular game uh, that was that was developed involving some trees, right? So, so mm. the details aren't too important. It's just, but basically, you draw these little stick trees, and you have some seeds, you have some lines, which are kind of like the branches, and you and you build these trees, right? So, so one of the rules of the game is is that you know for example you can't have a tree that's got a bit of a tree that that's there's appeared before so so if i draw like you know one particular tree then later on you can't draw a bigger tree that's got my tree stuck in it somehow it's, it's just not allowed that would end the game and um, so there's a bunch of rules in, in in how you draw these trees and, and build up this this particular game which i call the game of trees now how long the game lasts de- depends on how many different types of seed you have so you could have for example, just black seeds, okay? Or maybe you could have black seeds and you've also got white seeds. Or, or maybe you've got black seeds, white seeds, and yellow seeds. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of possibilities. How many seeds you play with sort of, det- sort of changes how long the game can last for. Now, if you've just got one seed, the game can only last one move. You could just write down one seed, and that's it. You can't write down anything else because anything else that follows is going to contain the tree that went before. Okay? Mm-hmm. You've got two seeds, like, so you a black and a white seed. The game can last up to, you can draw up to three trees and the game will automatically end after just three moves. It can't go beyond three moves. So you've got this, this sort of sequence. So if you've got one seed, you can play only one move. If you've got two seeds, you can play three moves. And so then you go to three seeds. And you might think, well, I, can, I started off with one, then it went to three, and now I've got three seeds. Maybe I, maybe I can play 10 moves or something, or 15 moves. It's not, it's not going to be some, it, sh- it shouldn't be anything crazy. Well, it is. So this <laughs> sequence just goes bang. It just goes from one. So just for one seed, you get one move. Two seeds, you get three moves. And then three seeds, you get tree three moves is, 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 is where the game will last to. And this is a number which just blows everything else. So we talked about Google and a Googleplex. Well, that's just nothing compared to tree three. Talk about Graham's number, which will collapse your head to form a black hole. That's nothing compared to tree three. Tree three is just, it's, 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 un, it's impossible. I mean, I, I actually think it is impossible to imagine how ridiculously big this number is. And it's just so mundane where it comes from. Is this game? So you start off, you so, so you play this game with two seeds. Oh, this game keeps ending after three moves. And then somebody comes along and adds a different color seed, and you're like, okay, how long is the, how long can the game last now? And somebody says tree three, and this is tree three, which is a number that's actually too big for the universe. <laughs> it just whoa! Where did that leap come from? The leap should not be that big, but that, that that so that's in an essence what what tree three is, and it is too big for the universe. So one of the things I I, I worked out was um, suppose you're playing this game involving these trees. So so you're writing drawing these trees, right? So you play one go, draw a tree. Play next go, draw a tree, and so on. You've got three seeds, three different colors of seeds. So we know the limit of the game is tree three moves, tree you know th- tree three different trees in the forest. How long are you going to play? So how, could, could you finish the game? And one of the things I imagine is, you know, you're playing this game at high speed. So you're playing it as fast as space-time will allow. So you literally, if you play it any faster, space-time will break uh, due to quantum effects. So you play it super, super fast. And so 
you play it again, you play it again, you'll play it through a lifetime, you'll get nowhere near tree three. After you die and maybe you replace yourself with some artificial intelligence, you've got two AI machines playing against each other, you know, powered by the light of the sun, they'll keep playing the game at this crazy pace and they keep going and they keep going, the sun gets bigger, you know, it goes to a red giant, all these things happen, eventually it falls back, forms a white dwarf over many billions of years and still, this, these two AIs are still playing the game because they have got nowhere near Tree 3 and they're playing at breakneck speed as well. And so eventually they lose power. They, they can't get any power because the sun dies, right? So, so they need to somehow develop some new technology which gets energy from, I don't know, the cosmic microwave background radiation. And the game goes on and the game goes on and the game goes on. In fact, the game will go on way beyond the, the sort of heat death of the universe. And still you will not get to the end of Tree 3. And actually, there's a phenomenon called Poincaré recurrence, which says that in any system, in any finite system, you'll eventually get back to where you started. And that applies to our universe too. So you can imagine a pack of cards, you know, if you shuffle a pack of cards enough times, you'll a lot of times, but enough times, you'll eventually get back to the point where all the cards are in order. It'll take a long time, but it will happen eventually. It's the same with our universe. You shuffle the universe enough times, you allow it to evolve for long enough, eventually you'll get back to where it started. It will reset. And that reset time for our universe is actually shorter than the time it would take to play this game of trees all the way up to tree three moves, playing as fast as you possibly can. And so even... <laughs> Even if you could do it, even if you could live past all these, you know, gargantuan timescales, the universe is just going to go, nah, mate, game over. We're resetting. <laughs> you ain't going to get to the game. You ain't going to end this game. So tree three is actually a number that's, that's actually too big for the universe. That's how big it is. It's just so astounding that, it, as you describe it, it's just it's such a short step to reach that point. Because because a lot of these numbers, like when you're talking about the, the the Googles and the Google Plexes, it's easy to think, well, those those big numbers live out there, like they're like in the deep water. But then this seems to illustrate that no, the deep water is is far closer than you think. And it's not. It, it, I wouldn't even call it deep water. It's it's water that's you know you're sort of like yeah you're just sort of tiptoeing across the you know through the, the shallows and then dun, 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 and then bang it just gives away underneath you and and there's just it's a it's bottomless as far as you're concerned. Wow. You know I wouldn't even call it deep water. It's beyond deep. Uh, it's too it's it's too deep for the universe. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So ultimately, what do fantastic numbers reveal about the cosmos? Like, what is the, well, I guess, what is the, the lesson of, of big numbers, fantastic numbers, etc.? So, so, so for me, I think all the ideas that I talk about in the context of the big numbers in the book, they all come back to, to the same thing, which we talked about, which is the holographic truth. The idea that, that um, a lot of the ideas associated with black holes and, and how much information you can fit inside a black hole, where that information's stored, for example, is it stored inside the black hole or is it stored on the edge of the black hole? And these are ideas which, which, um, which lead you to, to, to the, to the holographic truth, to the idea that, actually, maybe the information in our world isn't stored inside the world. Maybe it's stored on the boundary of the world, at the edge, on the mm. walls that surround it. And in that sense, that's why it's, it's holographic. All the ideas, all the limits that we're talking about, you know, counting how much information you can store in a head, you know, and when it's going to turn into a black hole, you know, counting how long it takes for our universe to reset itself. All these ideas come back to the question of, of how our universe stores its information. Does it store it inside? And if so, how does it store it? Well, actually, no, it turns out it's 
seems like it stores it on the edge of space. And that allows you to count how much information there is in that space and, and how many different ways you can combine things. But it all comes back to that holographic truth. Um, I, I have to ask about this because I, I again, most I, I'm not as um, as versed in, in mathematics uh, as, as a lot of people out there. And one of the things that I kept thinking about reading the book was a, 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 just a one quick joke from a season one episode of the British comedy Look Around You, in which the, the narrator, the, the episode is about math, and the narrator tells us that the largest known number is around 45 million, but that larger numbers might exist, and they like speculate 45 million in one could be a number. And, uh, you know, of course, that's absurd, and it's absurdist humor, but... Um, there, there's something about that that seems to sort of ring true with with uh, a lot of these, uh, these 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 concepts. And I was wondering what you thought about the role of absurdity in contemplating big numbers. Yeah, absolutely. No, no I, I really do think it. So, so when you think of something like tree three, at least within our universe, mm-hmm. you can't fit it in. It cannot fit in. There's nothing that could you know you could describe because it's just too big for anything that we can talk about in our universe now you might imagine other universes which could accommodate it and in a you know a sort of multiverse scenario like maybe you get from something like string theory could you get universes that can contain tree three well maybe we don't know right we don't know enough about Mm -hmm. about the the multiverse of string theory but but it's not inconceivable potentially. So, so, but certainly in our world, you can't. It's interesting. One, one of the things I did a video quite, quite recently actually about uh, the biggest number that nobody will ever think of, and I did these sort of quite, um, I mean, a bunch of estimates based on you know, a bunch of dubious sort of, uh, you know, sort of um, assumptions, which I acknowledge were quite dubious. But, but I think I came up with an estimate that if you think of a random seventy-three digit number. Um, or so, something of that order, um, then probably nobody's going to ever ever think of it other than you. I mean, you know, so I'm not saying like just think of a one followed by 72 zeros, clearly not mm-hmm. something like that, but just complete random, random 70, um, 72, 73 digit number, something like that. Chances are nobody in the history of humanity, either before or, t- or, or to come, will ever think of, of that number. And it's kind of that's kind of mind-blowing, I think. It's kind of yours. Just think of it, and that's yours forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just everybody should just write down a 73-digit number and name it after themselves. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. Well, Tony, thanks for taking time out of your day to chat with us. Uh, I want to make sure we're, we're hitting um, uh, all the plugs here. Uh, the book, which, uh, which, is, which is out, I believe it's out now, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's actually released today in the US. Uh, well, I probably shouldn't say today, should I? Because well, it'll, come out I guess it'll be it'll will have been released two days ago when we published this. So yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's out. It's fantastic numbers and where to find them. Um, and then the YouTube series is is Number File, correct? Yeah, so I appear on Number File. There's another channel I appear on, which is more physics based, called Sixty Symbols. Um, so they're both made by by Brady Haran, and um, yeah, so so I appear regularly on both of those. So it's uh, a lot of fun. But yeah, it's. Um, I hope people enjoy enjoy the book. It's uh, and, and just don't think um, too recklessly about Graham's number because you don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we don't want we don't want anybody's heads to uh, uh, collapse into black holes. Absolutely. All right. Well, well. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, have a, uh, hope you have a great day. Thanks, Rob. All right. Well, thanks once again to Tony for taking time out of his day to chat with me here. The book, again, is Fantastic Numbers and Where to Find Them. Highly recommend it for anyone who is at all intrigued by what we were talking about here today. 
As always, if you want to reach out to us and uh, ask any, any questions, share your relationship with fantastic numbers, well, you can find us in a number of ways. Let's see. Uh, if you email us, and I'll give you that email in a second, you can have access to the Discord uh, where you can discuss show matters with with uh, with other Stuff to Blow Your Mind listeners. Uh, there's also the uh, Stuff to Blow Your Mind discussion module that is on Facebook. You can find that and seek access to that as well. And of course, thanks as always to Seth Nichols Johnson for producing the show here. And yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, you can simply email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.